The following is an archived podcast presented by the Branson and Hudson Foundation for Podcast Recovery. This episode is entitled, Take Me to Your Dealer. It is the first and only episode of the podcast. Welcome to episode one. Mystical greetings. My name is Julius St. Arpeo. This is episode one of the podcast, Take Me to Your Dealer, and I am joined here by two extraordinary men, Mr. Kyle Witchwood and a Mr. Josiah Paterno. Gentlemen, thank you for being on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, It's good to be here, man. Now, I'd like to explain to the audience who we are and what we do. I am Julius St. Arpeo. I'm a ninth-level mystic of the Rosicrucian Order. I have been experimenting with mind-expanding drugs for upwards of 22 years. I am a vagabond of sorts, a vagrant that wanders from place to place, trying to expand my own place in the universe and understand where I fit within it. Currently, I have been promoted to the Doctor of Wellness at the Church of Doug's Van, and I am looking forward to helping people expand their minds. Uh, Kyle, please go on, tell us about yourself. I'm very excited to have you on the show. You know, Julius, really excited to be here. Um, like you said, my name is Kyle Witchwood. I'm a, um, I'm a working professional in Silicon Valley. I'm the creative director for a company, which I'll choose not to name um, for employment reasons. Probably other reasons. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, I, uh, I've, I've been working out in Silicon Valley for a while now, the last four years, and I'm working for uh, a really hot startup, and uh, I am actually the inventor of the uh, now-trending use of microdosing LSD in the Silicon wow. Valley area. Um, I, I invented that. I came up with the idea of taking a little tiny bit of drugs instead of a lot of drugs. That was, that was me. So, I feel like um, people have been doing that for a while, man. You seem kind of young to me. I don't know about... if we. We're we're a bit of old hats, and you know, I think that the idea of doing it within a business environment is more of what Kyle is saying. I don't think he is saying he invented doing LSD. Are you saying you invented doing LSD, Kyle? I invented microdosing LSD. I invented that. So Mm, when you read about that in Forbes, or you read about that in Mm. uh, you know whatever other online publication you choose to read, that was me that that invented that idea of of taking a little bit. A little um, bit, a little bit at a time. You know that that was me, uh, Josiah. Just be nice. You're gonna, you're you're probably gonna get a lot of false information, a lot of fake news, as it's termed these days. But Ugh. that was, uh, yeah, misinfo. Yeah, I don't like that or term disinfo. either. President Cheeto well, came up with that one, and you know I'm not really a big fan. Disinfo's been of around it. forever, man. You can look back to the '50s, Roswell. Oh, I thought. Well, Kyle, okay, I'd like to ask you a few questions about microdosing, but let's get to. Um, you've heard him talk already out of turn, um, Mr. Josiah Paterno. Josiah, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. It's a pleasure for me to be here. Uh, as you said, my name's Josiah Paterno. Uh, I work mainly in web design, but I like to think of myself as a botanist, uh, maybe even like a cyber botanist mostly. And uh, I've done very well for myself uh, since I moved out here to California. And uh, it's been great. Um, I've sort of made my own life out here, uh, despite my family owning Bilderberg Workshop, but um, I worked at many 
many uh, famous websites, and I won't talk about which ones because I like to keep that private about myself. But uh, yeah, it's going to be good here. move, bro. You know, it's very impressive that you're, uh, you know, the heir to the Builder Bilderbergs. Uh, don't like a lot uh, of things. Bear workshop, not the Bilderbergs, man. I'm not the Bilderberg that, that buildings shit. and the Bilderberg meetings is a lot of, you know. We'll talk about that later with the machine elves, and it's, it's it's good to have you here because you'll give an inside perspective on that a little right. bit. Right, I'm excited to talk about that. Um, as I said, I am a mystic of the Ninth Order of Rosicrucian. I am currently running a church out of Doug's van from the Church of Doug's van, which is actually in a building, and we just live in the van, but the ch- van is the holy object. But um, it's inside? The the van is out. Well, we have to move it because you can only keep uh you can only park in a spot for uh two days in a row. So you have to move Where's it about at? every two days. It's like in a garage or in in beautiful Terre Haute, Indiana. You guys, it's we, like we, you guys we, have to pay just it's right like around legal. the federal supermax. But you know you have to move it every two days. So you know I'm just looking like a bumpkin here next to these two Cali boys. Oh, big shots! So, oh, I'm not big shot. I'm gonna hope I'm to a, keep up with you, great a humble fella. servant such as yourself. I mean, I don't want—I don't want to say I'm a big shot, but I can't really think of any other term for it. Now, let's talk about microdosing LSD. Now, how did you come up with that? Um, you know, I've—I've I've been a drug user for quite a while now. I—I I used drugs in college. I mean, who didn't? We all experimented in college. And um, I didn't. I mean, if we went to college, I would have. Oh, okay. Well, I sorry. I this, I'm showing my privilege a little bit here. I always forget. I get kind of trapped in my my silicon. Excuse me. What What's that? What's what? Privilege. Wait, like the privilege of being on this podcast, or what? Oh, that's a separate kind saying? of privilege. What's he uh, saying? <clears throat> anyway, I don't. Sorry, I don't. I want to confuse you guys here. I kind of get trapped in my silicon bubble, as it were. But I went to college, and I experimented with drugs in college. And, you know, I, I used to smoke the reefer. I used to take magic mushrooms. Every day. To, yeah, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that was Bang like, ten. it was just, go. I would take, I would take uh, you know, some psychedelics, smoke a little bit of weed, have some beer, hang out with girls, all that kind of stuff that you do in college as a college student. But after a while, it kind of got, it kind of got a little old. And it was like, what... I thought to myself, how can I change this experience? How can I make this something new and sort of break out of the shell of the drug use experience that I've had for so long? And it started back when I was a uh, senior in college, and I decided to kind of uh, shift the weed smoking paradigm by, uh, you know, there's two parts to smoking weed. You either do it in a bong or a bubbler or a pipe, or you do it by rolling it up in a in a paper of some sort, and oh, uh, yeah. you eat it. Yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Put now, it in a cigarette. There's only one. Oh, I don't. Oh, I don't. I don't smoke cigarettes. I care far too much for my own uh, well-being and health. Um, but there's basically there's two parts of the marijuana experience that exist. There's the thing that you use to smoke the marijuana with and the marijuana. Now, you obviously can't change the marijuana, so you've got to change what you smoke it with. I decided to, I know this sounds a little weird, I decided to roll my marijuana up in the leather elbow patch of a tweed jacket and smoke that. And uh, You smoke the jacket? No, just the leather. You know the elbow patch? You smoke the leather? Does it have any yeah, like, yeah. effects from the leather? or? 
Uh, I mean, the only real effects I got, I was really sick from it, and I smelled like a f- old musket rifle for about two weeks afterwards. But uh, so, is that good? It was good. It wasn't physically good. It wasn't good for the way. M- Thank you. It wasn't good for the way my peers perceived me. However, it was good because it was a new experience. It shifted my perspective on how I think a drug should be taken, and that sort of led into. <clears throat> My use of psychedelics, I would always go kind of, uh, you know, as the crude uh, term goes, balls to the wall with it. And I decided to kind of, you know, reel it in a little bit and take just a little bit and see how I feel. And it felt pretty good. I noticed I was a little bit more alert. I was a bit more creative. Um, you know, when I was when I was telling other people what to do, I was coming up with better ways of telling them what to do at work. Um, it sort of shifted my perspective. And that's, that's really what it's all about, is shifting your perspective. You have to constantly be shifting your perspective, even if it doesn't necessarily seem like the smart thing to do. That's what you got to do. And so this was a new way of thinking. It was, let's try a little bit of drugs and see how that feels. And I've, been, I've sworn by it ever since. It's, it's kind of like... It's kind of like... It's kind of like... like, uh, like, like I mean, and I tried microdosing... Um, when I knew you were coming on the show to just kind of have something to talk about with, I didn't have any LSD and Doug just gave me, you know, what he calls, uh, the yellow pill. And I started taking the yellow pill and you know, it's, it's good to take a little bit of it. It's almost like laying down in like, maybe let's say you're in like a basketball Jersey and you're laying down in like a child's inflatable pool and you just fill the water with beers around you. And when you're done with one beer, you just reach in the water and grab another beer. And you lay down while your kids just kind of run around and spray, you know, yeah, those, yeah. the fire, you know, the little garden hoses at each other and at you. But you don't care. That's kind of what I would, call, you know, compare microdosing to. You know, you're not going to go full balls to the wall. You're not going to see the fabric of reality. You're not going to talk to machine orcs. You're not going to have any of those experiences. You know, it's nothing Joe Rogan would endorse, but I think it's fine for a casual user. Oh, absolutely. It's a great way to, it's funny you mentioned water and pools. It's a great way to get your feet wet, as it were. <laughs> I mean, drunk humor, humor, everybody. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I know this isn't a comedy podcast, but I thought I would make a joke about no, it. No, very uh, serious here. You know, it's not really, you know. One time, I smoked a June I wa- bug. I smoked a June bug, and I had the best trip of my life. I remember <laughs> I was reading Richard's Scary Books, and I took five showers, and uh, you know, by the end of it, I sincerely thought I was Elmer Fudd. I hated it. I mean, I wish I wanted to die, and I'm still not Elmer Fudd is sure the quintessential fool of Looney Tunes. Anyway, and it is just like drugs to reveal the truth to you that maybe, in the grand scheme of things, I'm the hunter so easily persuaded by signs that the animals themselves are putting up that I will alternate between shooting rabbits and ducks, depending on what they tell me to shoot. Yeah, it's like whenever you're looking for something and you think it's the proper time to do it, you know, that's wabbit season. And then you know, it turns I have out, a similar experience, and it is why I will never do ketamine again, in which, you know, I took it and I, I went down a K-hole and I emerged as Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> and I was just kind of bumbling around. I say, I say, I say, and I developed the Southern accent. And, you know, I realized something. I realized that I am Foghorn Leghorn, but I am also Colonel Sanders, and I am also John Goodman, because all three of those people are the exact same person. 
You can't. So while ketamine can be terrifying, it can reveal just you can't you can't hundred percent disprove that you aren't those people. So I can't. Um, and if you look at the breakdown of DNA and everything within us, uh, bust me to the molecules that I am, vaporize me, then you know who could tell what's Foghorn Leghorn and what's me? Wow, I know it's really, and this is why we do this, fellas. Because we're the types of people that peer into the tapestries of reality and we run our little fingers through it and we pick apart everything to reveal these great shining truths. Because, you know, for centuries people have been trying to bridge science and God and it turns out all you have to do is take a bunch of chemicals that some guy made in his garage. That's all you have to do to bridge God and chemistry. Yeah, I mean, well, I'll say that uh, when we're sort of like explorers, um, you know, I would go as far as to say we're psychonauts. I always, Sailors. I always apply it to my hero, my number one inspiration in my life, Terrence McKenna. Um, like Carl Sagan was to the cosmos, Terrence McKenna was to the mind. You know, they both explored the unknown, and they both smoked that Grinch. And, and they uh, both wrote really, both, really, really long books about stuff they liked. And they were both killed by the U.S. government because they're both too close to the truth, you know? Terrence McKenna was basically Jesus for the internet age, you know, guys like and us. And when Carl Sagan said, when you want to make an apple pie from scratch, you have to invent the universe, he signed his, you know, death warrant right there. That's when the G-men were rolling in on him. And, you know, Terrence McKenna, he spoke of um, seeing machine elves when taking DMT, and Things like that. I believe machine elves are souls from the past who go there into this other reality and help continue building the universe. You know, I think about like Adolf Hitler. Was is his is his machine elf? Is it a good worker? Is Adolf Hitler's elf build babies? Does it do good things? I don't is think our morals apply Does to that he world, even so. remember who he was? Yeah. Does his elf shoot bow and arrow? Does his elf ride down big elephants and shoot arrows into the top of the elephants. Does it do this? It's Legolas Hitler. It's like, I also think maybe spirits are people who didn't cross over. Like, they weren't able to get through. So I think when people became more aware of drugs in the modern age and started using them more, it helped people know their way to get to the other side and you weren't trapped here on this world. And thankfully, because of this, I don't think there'll be as many haunted houses because no I don't. I think that. ghosts are just aliens. Oh, they could be. I can't disprove you on that. What do you think about this, uh, Kyle? This sounds really far out to me, guys. I mean, Hang like on. I said, I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm. I mean, I'm more of a, I'm more of a, sm- a small steps kind of guy. But I, I get what you're saying about the sort of going into the tapestry of reality. I, I've looked at it. This might sound crazy. I always kind of looked at it from a perspective of like, you know, you know, when you're kind of standing there over your toilet, you're getting ready to go pee and you can, if you peer, if you sort of lean far enough forward, you can see your own reflection in the toilet water, right? Well, that's, that's what you see. You can see yourself off of that, but you don't ever see you don't ever, that's just like a reflection of yourself. You're not actually seeing yourself. Whereas taking drugs and getting yourself into that mindset, and like with you guys, you go under the toilet water. You're at the bottom of the toilet looking back up at yourself. That's, that's part, funny I, that you say that because when I use the toilet, um, it's in the back 
and it's in a bucket in Doug's van, and Doug's asleep. And he gets really mad if I wake him up while he's sleeping. So in order to use the toilet, I have to dip my penis under the water and urinate while the head of my penis is in the water so it doesn't make noise and wake Doug up. So when you said that you guys are the guys that go in the water, it's true. I am. It literally is. Maybe, to me, I think maybe you ever thought about, like, what if the reflection you see is your true self? I think about that all the time. Your body you're feeling right now is the reflection what about right. that? You, Why won't the government edit. release the Bigfoot files? Maybe oh. my earring is actually on the other ear, like I, like it looks like in the mirror. Maybe your pinky, your toe pinky ring, isn't your toe pinky ring? I'd like to to compliment you on that toe pinky ring. That is a beautiful toe pinky ring. And it's oh. really cool that you uh, you guys Silicon Valley guys wear open toe dress shoes. I I respect that. You know. I really, really like your Japanese-style relaxation clothes that kind of drape down, and, and no underwear was an interesting choice. Your clothing is all black. You guys dress like you're from the Matrix, and who knows, maybe we are. Well, I mean, we're all about a work-life balance, and, you know, my spiritual advisor told me it was okay. It's okay to wear open-toed dress shoes. It's about feeling good. Sure, do I wear rings on my toes? Does it look weird? Does it, is it off-putting to some people? Maybe it is, but it, if I wear closed-toed shoes, if I'm uncomfortable in my workspace, I'm not going to be able to create the next water bottle that beeps your phone to beep your bracelet to make sure that you drink water all throughout the day so you don't get dehydrated. I'm not going to come up with that. I need to be comfortable in my own skin, both figuratively and literally, and so, yeah, it, it's a little unorthodox. I know this is a, probably a bizarre choice, but I think that I think that being able to unleash your mind also means you have to be able to unleash your body. Yeah, it's you know, about, sometimes in order to feel most free, I will simply only wear a barrel. I will and there's take nothing a wrong barrel, with that. the nearest barrel, and put on suspenders, and I will run around without shoes on, and I will think. You know, I can't wait to get my hands on some of that orange crystal DMT and smoke, smoke, smoke it up till I see the machine orcs again. And there's well, nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, everyone arranges their crystals differently, and whatever works for you is what's best for you. So, No, I'm interested in finding out, um, Josiah, what would your drug of choice be? Now, I know Kyle enjoys microdosing LSD, I don't know if that's his preferred drug, but and uh, you know I'm a big DMT guy. I was wondering, Josiah, what what do you like to do? What do you think connects you to the universe most strongly? I mean, I'd say mostly these days I'm very vanilla. I do mostly just magic mushrooms. Um, like I'll wake up and just eat some. I'll like maybe make a pizza the night before or something like that and toss those bad boys on there. But you know, every now and then, the pizza the night uh, before, I'll maybe do some. I'll maybe do some Ambien. I'll fuck around. And Ambien will make me... I will proceed to lose my uh, Ambien's shit. Fun. I'll, Ambien, I'll Ambien's fun. Ambien's fun. It's not really going to reveal much. Um, but, you know, there's other stuff I like to do. I've, You know you know me. We've done everything. But, um, yeah. I mean... I'm looking forward to making another trip to L.A. as soon as I can, you know, hitchhike oh, yeah. down there. Well... We'll have to, uh, you know, do the whole peyote ritual, all that, you know. I know you're a certified shaman, so you're going to have to show me the ways of your Midwest roots, even though I'm all also right, from... You know, I love I'm mysticism and philosophy. is what they call me around here. I'm also from uh, Terre Haute, Indiana, and we went to the same school, but 
never met because your older sister was in my grade and I had a huge crush on her and I, uh, you know, I had, I was too afraid to talk to her and go near you or her. So, you know, it's completely fine. I understand it. I had a huge crush on her too. Well, you know, there's like, there's plenty of drugs that you can do. You know, one time I took, I took a whole bottle of Benadryl and I was playing World of Warcraft and I, you know, somehow agreed to drive this guy two states over to the airport the next day. And I didn't go. I was still too high and I forgot. But, you know, that's the wild adventures that we can go on. You know, on. People, people really kind of, you know, especially within our community, which then like the Arrowhead community and all these drug forum, forums where everybody's trying to like kind of touch the stars a little bit. I feel like sometimes we do overthink things. Um, Benadryl is a great drug to take the whole package because what's it going to do? Kill you? And you can just it fall asleep. It definitely won't kill you, and it's definitely safe. It's to definitely take the, the human bottle. liver is the strongest muscle in the body, right next to the bicep. And there's really nothing you can do to kind of drain that bad boy. I've been kicking mine around like a soccer ball for years, and it still is that bright, natural purple color the doctor tells me to get removed. Now, now, I want to talk a little bit about um, a drug that I happen to dislike a lot, but I am a fan of things, and I have smoked weed primarily out of necessity. I've smoked it with DMT. But However, you're not a fan, It right? is a drug that I find to be dirty, organic, clouding, a lack of clarity, a stinkiness, griminess to it that's kind of against it is going to cement you to the earth rather than lift you above the mortal construct however i would like to dedicate a short part on this show to weed culture because while weed sucks nothing is funnier than weed culture if you want to get a high times magazine even if you've never smoked weed i dare you not to laugh oh, Chong. simply amazing so- the comedy stylings of doug benson especially the way he talks about forgetting things <laughs> it's simply to die for. Oh, it's too high. I can relate to that. As a guy who loves weed, I can relate to that. That take that me is to just... your dealer. You will get the coolest. Po- if you like marijuana, right? There is no better culture to be part of. If you like cool dorm room posters, and then take you can me make, to your dealer. You can make all-, all the names of all the names of weed is so creative. Indica Kush, you know, baby's breath. It, Baby's breast, the you know the lost profits mix. Ben's boot. Ben's boot, my favorite, great strand, pungent, stinky, short. You know, I mean, it's a pretty good, very short acting. It's a pretty good, uh, yeah, it's a pretty good indica. I prefer the sativa though. Uh, Tangled hose. I would always. I like my work. My work strain really. I I really like to smoke a nice, you know, work cut, tucked in boots. Bloody Apron, great sativa. Gets you really worked up. Uh, I, I oh, Mio Tangerine. Oh, yeah. Couldn't, well, you you be swore better. by that, um, that strain you, uh, you introduced me to recently. Take uh, a look at the orange nugs. Mio Water Enhancer, orange tangerine. Orange that tangerine. Shit. That shit. I, I'm going to predict right now that in about two to three years, you're going to hear rappers talking about being off that orange tangerine. I mean, I'm listen. They're like holding up really, Mio in their videos, like just dripping it. You know. I'm not that in tune with like you know Pouring rap culture. I, I'm small... kind of more of a Jason Derulo guy, but I think pretty soon you're gonna see yeah, orange tangerine all over the place. Yeah, I can see it. you got like that kind of a Jason. You're Mraz gonna see a rap thing. video where they got the orange orange tangerine and they're smoking it and blowing it all over. You know, a small four foot six tonsured, 
a man from Cleveland and he lives in a house with an upside down trash can and he never goes in the house and he lives in the upside down trash can. And you're going to see rappers blowing it all over him, pouring Mio tangerine water on his head. And that's just going to be the new normal. He's going to come out from underneath the overturned trash can and there's just going to be, it's going to be a slow motion shot, just weed smoke billowing out, just like coming through like a WWF wrestler walking out, or I think it's WWE now, sorry, uh, walking out on the stage just through the fog and it's going to be a little tiny worm of a man coming out there and just, it's, oh my God, I can't wait. I like to... God, in some basketball, in some cloth basketball shorts. I have some very, uh... I have a particular interest in dwarves. I think they they're very powerful, and uh, you know what they lack in height. You know they got to make up in the mind. I'm sure. So I think they have a lot of and, wisdom. You know, they're strong of arm, and they mine deep from within the I earth's core. I think perhaps core. that maybe dwarves. And when they see gold, they just go crazy. I believe dwarves have a bit of machine off DNA in them, so I wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be surprised. You know, I would agree. I think if you know, as I said. You know, we're going to talk about it later. I dug up a treat for you guys. I have my very first trip report ever that I'm going to read from you guys from all the way from, you know, uh, 16 years ago. So I'm going to talk about it, but I do believe that you go down. They talk about machine elves, but I think that was just scratching the surface. I think you have machine dwarves. I think you have machine elves. I think you have machine wizards. I think you have machine Gandalf. I think it's all there. You know, I wouldn't ever presume this universe to be so limited that there's only type of one type of sentient machine spirituality animal. Mathematically speaking, it's almost impossible that that's the case. Mathematically speaking, there's no way that they don't exist. I wasn't a big math guy, by the way, but I wasn't. I think you guys both have a 50 percent chance of being right. Um, we won't get into the so that means 100 percent chance that because trip either reports. one of us is right. Um, we won't get into the trip reports at the moment. We'll save that because that's the best part. You know, people want that when you do drugs, people want to hear about what you did and what you saw and how crazy it was and how they wouldn't believe it. Um, you know, the only Kyle, drug I really want to do. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, we can. Well, well, before I get into this, uh, the drug you really won't do while we're on to this subject of drugs you dislike because I know you hate weed. So. Well, I do dislike weed, but I don't consider it a villain. Um, ketamine is something that I think I will never do again. You do it every day, though. Um, well, you know, I don't want to. It's mostly Doug, and we run out of DMT because it's hard to find from the van, and since he doesn't have a mailing, it's you know, it's not a big deal. It's and you tell me got. every day, I love ketamine, while you're high as shit but on ketamine. It, it's just, you know, it's a rough you're thing, wearing a and shirt it's been harder says, ever since I've been promoted the sweater. ninth order of a Mork. Under your, you know, well, your hemp robe. I, I astral projected to Charles Manson's ske- cell, and he just kept telling me about Helter Skelter too, but this time with Hispanics. And it was just, <laughs> it was it was the dark side of DMT, where it's just, it's not good. You know, it's it's writhing around in our reality where everything's dark and it's a void, and I want the light of DMT. It's almost like a battle of between good and evil, and I see DMT as God, and ketamine is the devil. Mm. Well, look, look. Life is about doing things you don't want to do. Rise and grind, right? Sometimes you got to do ketamine, right? Sometimes sometimes you got to wake up and you have to start grinding Doug's heart medicine. Sometimes you got to smoke got, nutmeg. Sometimes that's what you got to do. I don't like, all right, look, I'm a, uh, I'm one of those people. I don't sleep for eight hours straight anymore. I'm a polyphasic sleeper. And sometimes <laughs> I got to, you know, reset and not take six 30 minute naps throughout the day. And I just got to do like one whole thing. I don't really like taking Ambien. I don't like time. jacking off for, I see, I don't like it. I don't like jacking off for four hours and waking up with my, my 
shit all you know kind of beat up doesn't feel good but that's that's what you got you got to reset because you, you blow the rope you got to you got to sling rope and go to bed i don't like doing that but that's what you got to do and sometimes you know julius has got to do ketamine doesn't mean he has to like it but in life you got to make sacrifices to get ahead you got to grind for what you want that's well, how it when works. doug wakes up and he's got that eyedropper and he sneaks it in stuff you know you got to do ketamine he keeps saying it's for my own good now i don't really like to use you know the term drugs as much because i believe uh the society you know the man has perpetuated this term as a negative you know, term. everything's a drug oh it's stigmatized yeah he's stigmatized, stigmatized for, for sure. water's a drug and uh everyone's addicted to water they don't villainize that if we don't get water we'll die we're addicts i will say i like to we're call actually I, we're actually working on something to fix that problem but i'll just leave it at that they got soda stream already so i mean i don't know what we need <laughs> anything for water um but as i was saying i like to prefer i prefer to call them compounds and um you know, I first I first got into compounds really when I became very involved with uh, in a certain Gary's Mod server, and you know the people in that community just taught me so much. There's this Lewis who used to be a Marine. He was he was playing there. He Lewis. was on the moderators, and he was in there twenty four seven. He he was my guide for most of it. But uh, you know, after the admin butt cheek boy was sucked into wave pool motor and died <laughs> everyone kind of like went their own ways but you know i'll always remember them and i hope to run into them on the astral plane so i mean that's a beautiful thing about enlightenment is you realize that everyone is connected so even though butt cheek boy got sucked into the whirlpool you know if Water, you close your eyes pool. you got a wave pool motor he got sucked into it his trunks flew uh, out so you know he died naked which is you know really tragic it's like a warrior. Came into death, this world. Though. He came into yeah. this world naked, and he left naked. So it is kind of at beautiful. least the trunks weren't harmed, so somebody else could wear them. So, uh, Kyle, you mentioned earlier that you love mysticism, and I'm glad that you said that because um, I wanted to bring up to you guys that one of my favorite subjects is you know uh, tulpas, and um, for the listeners who don't know tulpas, you know, and mysticism of things like Buddhism and Eastern religion and old beliefs, uh, it's simply known as tulpas are an object or being created from the mind. Um, in modern terms, it's more like an imaginary friend that you develop for yourself. And they're invented by, you know, the furry and anime communities online and places like 4chan. And uh, then they pour it into more mainstream places like Reddit and reddit twitch tv right. chatterbait.com yeah you know initially people get into creating tulpas out of loneliness and sexual desires and i mean that's why julius that's why your tulpa you know initially first looked like just like you but as an orc with huge cans but it ha- it just changes over time but that's amateur league stuff and kind of selfish so i mean my current tulpa is a cowboy who tells me of other worlds you know places where they speak in colors they hear numbers um, he tells me where enemies are when I play video games. He tells me to lift the toilet lid up so I don't pee all over when I'm too tired or too high. And uh, I mean, they're they're good for you and they're very healthy and not bad does, for your mental health. So, now I want to ask you this: Does uh, what is your uh, cowboy tulpa's name? Uh, Sam Elliott. Okay, yeah, I knew it because you know I've I've been listening to you sleep a lot last time you were here. Um, and you just mutter off 
just a lot of sarsaparilla, a lot of partner, a lot of, you know, hang in there, a lot of, you keep saying, Howdy don't man. fence me in, you know, don't do fess me in. Yeah. My sleep. Yeah. Just um, hello. I am Hollywood cowboy Sam Elliott. You keep saying things like that over and over and over. Uh, well, I mean, I also have another Tulpa who's, she's just my girlfriend. You know, she's a cat girl, but, um, you what know, what's her name? I haven't met her. Well, she's, she, we've been going out for a little bit. I didn't want to, you know, Jump the gun. You didn't want to jinx it. Well, you don't want to ruin this for me, man. It seems kind of uncomfortable for him. Yeah, um, we can stop talking about it. He I, stole look, my I, last Topa girlfriend. That's why I'm, I'm just a little bit bitter. Yeah, let's let's. Well, let's, I did, you first let's of all, it was your his, idea. Uh, his Topa girlfriend. It's, that's not, I didn't know what a Topa was until you told me. So I actually okay. When Sexy I, I, Leslie I kinda, was pure, and you ruined her. Sexy Leslie, if she was pure, you know, you would, she wouldn't have all of a sudden started appearing in my dreams, too. She gets... I'm not going to talk about this. She gets lonely. Anyway, Kyle, please continue. Oh, all, I, all I really wanted to say was basically that when, you, when I said I like mysticism, is that I like the idea of mysticism. I don't really know anything about it. Uh. But I like the idea of mysticism fusing with, you know, productivity and technology and what I really want to know is, because this tulpa thing is really interesting to me, what what do you guys think, if I had a tulpa, what do you what do you think my tulpa would be like? Uh, Did you ever see that? that I'll tell that you what hot. I think that I, mine would be like. I when, think when he'd be done. very short, possibly from Ohio, <laughs> specifically Cleveland. You know, a drinker of Mio water enhancer, tangerine orange, you know, mm-hmm. he would have a twin size bed, but lie about a queen size. Um, all right, I like he would this. show us all of his gym shorts and we jack off to the pictures of them. Or it's just a hot, hot girl. I don't know. Well, I was going to say, you know, I was first <laughs> I like a that. tech guy, right? This, he's a big tech guy. He loves tech. He like, probably has all like these apps robot, on his phone. That I'm wife, sure he Tulpa. has one, two phones, three phones, maybe. Uh, that hot vodka robot from the magazine commercials. Ooh. Oh, man. Was that, that the Sor- like a, I think that was the Ciroc commercials. Or was it yeah, Sky? That, she Maybe looks like, like the Mass Cortana. Effect girlfriend. Yeah. Cortana, so but she's an alcoholic. Probably Ooh. have a, a robot Mass Effect girlfriend from the vodka commercials. Cortana who drinks, I can get down with that. Yeah, Cortana at the club. You can take her to places, and you can drive her around in the backseat of the car while she's passed out. And you have to take her home. You can, I, you I like call you can have her and puke the all Uber over, driver your, all over cool. your car. It's, oh, man. Just, just, yeah, cyber puke Throwing all over the place. It's like you, I like that. You get her into her bed finally. She just yaks all over the nightstand. And then you got to go home because you got to work the next day. Uh, you got to plug her in first, of course. Yeah. And you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, Julius. You got to plug her in. Uh, yeah, I'm, I kind of. Yeah, I, I like both I of those. I, I, <clears throat> Anyways, yeah, I like both of those. I really like both of those a lot. Um, yeah. What would you say your I, topo would be? What do you oh. think, Kyle? Okay, this might come off as a little bit racist or whatever, but um, racist like, is a construct, man. Just go. Wow, that really you're really shifting the perspective on that. I like that. Okay, I'm black. I think my, you're black. That's. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned the the blackness that, of yourself and myself that I have now. Um, I think my tulpa would be a a black guy that I'm friends with that would tell me that it's okay. 
like a like a POC of color. I think my tulpa would be a black guy that I'm friends with that tells me it's okay to say the N word when I'm listening to like you know when I hear a rap song on the radio and I want to sing along. I think that would be. I think that would be. I don't know. I've never really met one, and I think that that's like about as far out as I can imagine. Um, you know, I met plenty of plenty of hot women. I met in Silicon Valley. I met plenty of hot women with robot like weird robot arms and shits, and that's pretty close. But a, I've never met a black guy. I think that would be just about like I, I don't know, man. It sounds kind of racist. Look, it's not racist. I'm shifting the perspective on what a tulpa should be like. I'm sh- I'm changing the paradigm from. A tiny man who uh, lies about the size of his bed, who lives in Ohio, and a hot robot. His slut. name's Ben. His name's Ben. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sh- I'm shifting the perspective from Tulpa Ben and Robo Slut to something that I've never experienced. It's a new idea for a Tulpa. That's what I'm. I'm innovating a new Tulpa. It's not racist. Nothing I'm saying is racist. It's just I'm thinking in a different way that you're not comfortable with, which may sound like racism, but it's not. I'm comfortable. Um, I'd like to change the subject a bit. Um, you had oh, mentioned sorry, earlier so on your personal intriguing. blog, Kyle, that um, you had attended Burning Man recently. Uh, I did Love as well. Burning Why don't you Man. tell me about that? Lucky, 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 lucky duck. Oh, man. Okay, I went to Burning Man for the first time a couple of years ago, and it changed my life. And, you know... <clears throat> A lot of people don't like Burning Man. They got a lot of bad things to say about it. They'll say they'll say stuff to me like, you know, why do you go out in the middle of the desert and spend a bunch of money to like take drugs and act like an asshole? Sure. Okay. That's one way of looking at it. Could I sit in my living room with the air conditioner on, progressive trance, playing full blast on my bang and all offs and sound system while blast out of my Gordon Mescaline? Sure. Could I sit in my Tesla on a 104-degree day listening to the Chemical Brothers while tripping balls and throwing sand in my own face every five or six minutes? Absolutely. But it's not the same spiritual experience as dragging a few shipping containers out to an alkali flat, installing air conditioning units in them, and listening to house music, tropical house music, while high on mescaline. You can't, you can't put a price on that kind of thing. I, I mean, I believe I spent somewhere around $9,000 actually in money to recreate that, but you can't put a price on the whole experience. It's now, about getting away from your, getting out of your comfort zone and going out to a desert with a bunch of other people who don't believe in taking showers or wearing clothes or, you know, being fitting in with society. They're shifting the perspective on acceptable limits of, how long it should be before you take your next shower or when you should brush what your teeth. A shower? Can you take different. a shower with dust? It's fine. Yeah. What was that? You can take a shower with dust. It's fine. You can, you know, it's different perspectives, different people's ideas. There's uh, the world is a rich tapestry with room on it for everybody. The playa, the playa dust cleanses your body. It cleanses your mind and it cleanses your soul. It's like a shower. It's like a shower for your ego and your id and your super ego all at once. And it also gets dust all over your dick and ass and play all, all those places well, too. It kind of dries it out. Now, I, I went to Burning Man as well, and I will say I had a much different experience. Now, I did not remember, even though I've been attending Burning Man ever since it started, um, even before it started, where I just it was just hanging out in the desert. And I thought, incorrectly, that you had to pay for Burning Man. 
So what I did is about, you know, a week before Burning Man set up, I buried myself in the desert. And I lived on these cans of beans I had and all this stuff. And I had a breathing tube, Looney Tune style, coming out. And, you know, it was not a lot of ventilation and stuff like that. So I actually kind of tripped on my own, you know, near-death experience. And I saw lots of visions of people I love telling me I'm a failure and telling me that I should get a house. And why are my the bottoms of my feet are always black. And, you know, general things like that. And, you know, it was definitely a trippy out-of-body experience. But, you know, I remember I started hearing, hearing the, dun, 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 the the cool trance music and I burst up out of there, out of, out of the dirt like uh, Frankenstein. And, you know, I came, I, I walk in and I just started getting handed drugs, drugs by people on stilts and everybody thought I was in costume because I was so dusty and raggedy. And it was just me. And, you know, so they started giving me drugs and I actually took so much DMT that I... Um, there was a tragic event, or so people think it was tragic, um, of the man who ran into the actual burning man and died. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, I was I was there for that. That was, uh, a lot of people were pretty upset about that. Yeah, that was not a real person. That was me. I was astral projecting. <laughs> I sat really? Indian style, and I watched the spirit of my body run in to the burning man. And I jumped in, and for a few seconds, I saw myself, my spirit, consume all of that Burning Man. So I think from now on, the Burning Man Festival is just kind of like, that's me. I'm that guy now. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, when I woke up later, there were a couple dogs licking my feet, and a lot of people had pissed on me, but I really do think this was an experience that, you know... I mean, my best experience... I will remember. My best experience at Burning Man was, um, I remember it was the first time I went to Jeff's tent, you know, Jeff's tent. And oh, yeah, yeah, go, I know Jeff's tent. You go to Jeff's tent and what he does is since you're so dusty and you're covered in dust and you need to like a cleansing, which the dust is very cleansing. That's part of its, um, you know, its abilities is he'll roll you up in a big old Turkish rug, like a, like a burrito. And, um, he loads you or a up. joint, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, I smoke those. Yeah. Um, Hang ten. And then Dan, he drives you around in this big old. Um, he 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 lines up everyone in these uh, Turkish rugs that they're all rolled up in, and he goes with a bulldozer and picks them up, and he drives in donuts, and really fast, and he gains speed, and he gets faster and faster, and then people just start flying out and flying out, and um, once you fly out of this bull, this uh, bulldozer that's going at, you know, 50 miles per hour when you're rolled up in a Turkish rug, you un- get unrolled, and then that's sort of like your new birth. And that's what happens. It's called the dry birth. Yeah, and that's what happens when you go to um, Reverend Jeff. And- you know, next year, I went to the tent the year after that with Reverend Jeff, and um, he was doing this new thing where it was just kind of like, asexual cuddle parties where everybody would just get into a big writhing pile. Like, you know, those paintings of hell that they made in like the, you know, 15th oh, yeah. century. Where yeah. It's just like a bunch of naked guys in a pile. It's just like, you basically make us do that. It's and, like a big cuddle wrecking. And that's, you know, you know, some people were trying to turn it sexual. It was either the ecstasy couldn't happen. And that's when I realized that just the years of drug use, my dick looks like a pizza roll now. It just won't work. Well, Reverend, it's, it's not sexual, but um, Reverend Jeff is a bit of a different. He <laughs> he gets his experience through that sexual pleasure. So 
during these parties. Right, always, he's got that throne. He's always the there with like some seventeen-year-old girl off on. with his like his like lizard. His lizard prick is you know just all around her, and I don't like to think about. Right, it he's got much. that little acorn tip, and it's just dribbling all over that little scaly face. <sighs> anyway, um, Kyle, I know you had a. Did you have something more about Bernie Man? I have had one sort of profound experience about Burning Man and uh, while while attending Burning Man. And it was um, it was last year. I went to what is known as the Gender Dome. And it's a okay. it's it, it's essentially uh, like a jungle gym that is sort of pieced together, made out of what I believe to be stolen copper piping. And arranged in a dome format. And it's what like they covered do is, in like neon lights on the outside. Like it oh, light, yeah, it's, okay. it's lit up at night. Like it's, it's got it, it it's got like kind of like a neon light covering on the outside to bring in the fellow burners to kind of attract people. And then on the inside, it's got, you know, like the Christmas lights that mm-hmm. like wrapped around everything to really, you know, immerse Better than you Christmas, in it. Baby. Yeah, it's it's like it's yeah, it's Christmas too. And so <laughs> you go in there and they and they kind of uh that you you get completely naked. Everybody gets completely naked, which is normal out in the playa. There's nothing weird the about Burning that. Burning Man, you everyone's com- naked all the time. Yeah, it's fine. No rules. The only, this is- the only bad thing about getting naked so much at Burning Man is that if you have to plug that hole, or dust is going to get in it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, well they give them those corks plug it, when you get there, or you're going to be shaking that thing dry. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's definitely bad. I'm I'm still kind of trying to. I I don't think I've taken enough. LSD to really like come up with a great solution for it yet, but I think by this time next year I'm really gonna have it nailed down. Right, I'm gonna have something to stick up my asshole well, to kind of why prevent. Don't, why don't you just that wear sort of thing. Like underwear pants or? This is the playa, man. This is, we're not constrained by underwear or you know uh, any we're like any sort it with of wax. Yeah, we don't. We don't. Uh, you, you go out there in your primal self. And you take all your fucking clothes off. You go into the gender dome. They hang you upside down by your ankles. They get those tiki torches from Home Depot and they use the bamboo ends of them and they beat you with them for about 30 minutes. And it's usually playing some kind of like uh, drone music, like coil. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Uh, Just some really intense drone music. And they kind of, the guy, the main guy is named Patchouli Eagle. And he's, he's uh, like the gender foreman, if you will. And he really just, he sort of kind of conducts the whole thing. Everyone really lays in you. And by the end of it, I, I have sort of eschewed the notion of, uh, you know, well, the gender binary, as it were. Right. Um, I kind of had, I, I had my perspective shifted. And now I believe that I am no longer necessarily a man or a woman, but just a human being with male genitalia who's attracted to females and is still uh, very deeply repulsed by homosexual intercourse. Right, but I'm and not. You still, I'm, but, you know, but you I'm still not. dress like a man and act like a man and enjoy everything that men get. But I'm not. But a you're man. not. I'm not yeah. putting they, a label on it. So they it's just limiting. They just beat the gender out of you. They just beat the gender out of you. I mean, sometimes you know the simplest solution is the best one. Wow. They don't. There's a whole nother tent that'll beat the gender back into you. South of that, actually. Mm. You know, oh, it's just yeah, the gender repurposing compound where it's sort of they. They're yeah, kind of at war with each that. other, but the war is like psych psych. War, psychic war, psychological. Yeah, basically, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't really know about psychic. They, I think they just mostly steal each other's water and toilet paper. But 
That's yeah, it's essentially psychological, right there, man. It's psychological yeah, that's warfare. That's I think that's what you were thinking of. Yeah, I'm not yeah. stupid. Burning um, Man is though. Say, it's honestly an ex- <laughs> say what you want it's about Burning Man, but can't it's an be experience. It's it truly is. I've never you know I I've gone to a lot of music festivals and nothing has compared. I mean, I went to I tried to go to Bonnaroo this last summer. Oh, and Bonnaroo. Get in there. Yeah, well, they would not let me bring in a lit candle. Uh, I had like this lit Yankee candle that I bring with me when I'm taking a heavy LSD dose because I can kind of, you know, <sighs> inhale it, kind of potentiate my high. And they were like, no, you can't bring that in. So, you know, f- fuck, fuck them and their rules. Like, I'd rather go out to Burning Man. I can bring as many candles as I want. I can take my pants off. I can have the gender whacked out of me with Home Depot torches. It's fine. Doesn't no rules out there. This isn't fucking Bonnaroo. I was at Bonnaroo this year too, and I was snapping on my slack line, and it was in the morning, so it's still pretty early. But everyone's up partying already, and I was thinking about, I was like dreaming about what if space and our minds aren't the only realities. Like there's cyberspace, which is already huge. It's probably as big as space now, or bigger. Oh, it's and bigger for sure. Perhaps bro. one day we'll have to migrate into the area and, you know, leave all this stuff behind. It's like this sort of like Gnostic view in which they believe the material world is intrinsically evil. And then Maybe I, could I got nailed in the dick and do Minecraft. with a football and I puked up the red popsicle I ate earlier. So this was not fun. What if reality is a YouTube video on repeat of a guy doing a backflip and his pants fall off? Could be. Um, I mean, I probably the most important to... trip of my life was when I took too much Robitussin and I cried while watching The Mask. Really important work because you realize <laughs> that maybe The Mask was his true face. I won't go into it any further, but it's, it's too personal and sacred for me. But yeah, like think just a, something like that can change your life. So um, on that the note... The mask is the one you wear when you pretend to be normal. And the real <sighs> mask is the, is the green one that you put on. The mask is and you what yourself. I wear is when I wear shoes to go inside the Walmart to try to eat food in the aisle that they make me wear the shoes, and that's the mask I wear. Now, recently, I do want to talk about um, I had the privilege of going to Fire Festival. Did any of you guys go to Fire Festival? No, that was a scam, I, right? Um, well, I was you know, supposed to, but I didn't. I, I was employed by Fire Festival as a fire jungler. I told them that I could juggle fire. I could not. I just wanted to go to the island, and they found out about it while I was there. So in order to hide from them while it started, this is kind of where I learned the trick. I buried myself underground and did the can of beans thing. And when I emerged, it was pure chaos. And I actually, you know, this was kind of a big turning point for me because it, it was right around then I was getting super into the Rosicrucian church. And I was looking for a cure for the Zika that I got at Fire Festival because I opened a big container labeled meatballs that was full of uh, mosquitoes and they definitely just puckered me up and took me out. And, you know, Ja Rule had to take me to the hospital. Is that why your head is so small now? That's why my head is so small. That's why um, I think that's why I can't get pregnant, but I'm not sure. But it's just been a lot of stuff like that. But, you know, these festivals and things like this, regardless of what happens, if you go to one, you will come back different. Um, I was thinking yeah, maybe yeah. is the time we get to the trip report trip we were reports. alluding to later. So, um, Kyle, I was hoping you'd do the honors. I know you had one prepared for us. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, I would just like to preface it a little bit and 
sort of explain what I what I like to get out of my trips. Okay, a lot of people will take drugs and they just kind of want to, you know, chill out or see see some crazy visions and like get some crazy hallucinations. And that's fine. I mean, I'm not telling other people how to live their life. I don't not my business. But that's not what I do. For me, all my drug trips are about productivity. Productivity is like I want to get something out of this. I want to change my perspective and learn something new. And, you know, and what productivity is, is basically it's like I'm I'm trip hacking. All right. I'm learning something new and I'm changing the way I do things by this drug trip. You know, a good example of this, something that I've learned from doing drugs is uh, wardrobe hacking. Wardrobe hacking is like where you uh, you wear gym shorts on your jeans all day. And then you can just take them off when you get to the gym. You don't have to go in there and get changed and worry about someone seeing your dick while you're, while you're you know, doing your whole thing. They're just right under. Another one is like wearing a camelback that you have full of chili and you can just sip on it. You, you got your fuel all day. You just eat. You wear another backpack on the front of you maybe. And what you put in it, up to you. I'm not going to tell you what to put in it. You could put chips, cheese, sour cream, something to go with your camelback of chili. doesn't matter. But the point is... You have to be hacking and changing your perspective constantly. So that's what I try to do on my trips. And so when I take my drugs, I always wear a GoPro. This way, this GoPros are like the Fitbit of drug trips. All right, you can get real time. Well, it's not really real time feedback because I have to watch it the next day. But you get kind of real time feedback about what you did and what you were doing and what you could kind of change the next time, so you could get a more rewarding and productive drug trip out of it. Um, so the first one I did, and this is my most uh, memorable one for sure. I um, I was at home. I decided to uh, you know heavily take normal hits of LSD, not microdoses, but normal ones. And uh, I was home alone. Decided to do it just by myself. I didn't want any sort of like outside energy or people affecting me. Um, I took two normal hits and uh, put on a mix of some of my favorite progressive side trance to kind of get into the zone. Got my GoPro out. Strapped it on my head, chilled out for like a half hour on the couch. Um, after about like 90 minutes or so, I thought I'd taken kind of some bunk acid. It wasn't really doing anything for me. So I decided to dose like two more hits. The last thing I really remember was I was laying on the couch and I kind of like sunk into it because like the couch was slowly like turning into a liquid. And suddenly it was like I was dropped into a pool and... I, I, I'm like in this like beautiful body of water. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Like it's like swimming in like the Caribbean islands. I don't know if you guys have ever been beautiful this time of year. Well, not really because they just got hit with a hurricane. There's probably like a lot of, you know, shit. Rest in, rest in peace, Irma. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sad, you know, uh, but what it happens, right? Uh, global warming and everything. So I'm, I'm like out in like this beautiful body of water swimming around. I I'm like swimming between like stalks of kelp. Like it's like, I'm at like the, the kelp forest at the Monterey museum or the Monterey aquarium. And, uh, all of a sudden I start seeing some fish and I recognize them and they're, they're my actual, they're my beautiful South American angelfish that I, I have a huge saltwater aquarium. They're my beautiful South American angelfish that I have. Um, in my tank and there I'm the same size as them. I'm swimming around next to them. I'm able to swim down into that little, you know, in aquariums where they have that little like uh, oxygen thing with like the treasure chest that opens and shuts. 
and like you can kind of you know oh, yeah. it, it always like yeah yeah the air like forces the top up and shuts it i go down there i can take a look at all the like the jewels and the gems and like the crowns and shit like down in there and uh like i spent the whole night just swimming around like i was grabbing onto the fins of my angelfish getting like pulled into just beautiful coral reefs uh just amazing bodies of water and uh at, at a certain point, I kind of, I kind of sobered up. You know, I got, a, I, I came back up. I broke back up through the, um, as I talked about before, the, uh, the, the toilet water, and, and came back to the surface again. And uh, I was really sick. I got like really, really sick. Like I was, I started puking and started shitting, and it was just like for days. Like I just kept, I was sick like a dog constantly. So I finally decided, all right gotta check the GoPro footage, but I couldn't find the GoPro. So I searched around my place for a bit and it turned out it was, uh, in, it was in the fish tank. Imagine that, I had put it in the fish tank. I'm not really sure why, um, hmm. but after reviewing the footage, I, I assume it's because I wanted to kind of get the perspective, you know, change my perspective and, get, and see what life was like for my, my darling angelfish that live in the tank and see what they see, you know, on the inside out at me. And I could only see myself like walking by every few minutes, but uh, it kind of it kind of revealed itself to me at a certain point where uh, I, after watching enough footage, I apparently like drank a lot a lot of the aquarium water, <laughs> and I like ate some of the I ate some of the algae, and I got like a really really <laughs> bad algae poisoning. Like I was just like shitting myself, and it was like a week and a half. Like I just had diarrhea nonstop, and but that's and that's why I brought this up is it's that's so important about having a GoPro because I would have just chalked that up to bad acid. I probably would never have done acid ever again, but it turns out I just drank some aquarium water. You know, aquarium water. By some, I mean a lot of it. Like I probably drank bad. like a good third of the tank. It's, it's a not because tank. you did a, uh, bad acid. It's not, be, it's just, it's I mean, just I, what I did. I wanted, I, I assume, I don't know for sure, but I think, I drank the water so that I could feel a part of my beautiful angel fish's world kind of inside of me. You know, it would assimilate itself into me and I would understand at a at a very basic level what it what it's like to be in a South American angel fish living in an, in a loft in Silicon Valley. You know, that's that's what I think. When 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 I uh when I was at Fire Festival trying to survive, I tried washing down those Zika meatballs with uh with the ocean water and honestly it's it's fine i think i think that's just could be a thing about the acid maybe because i think it's fine it's i think it was the algae that got me i know you can it's fine the salt water is fine you can drink as much of that as you want that's just something it's going to taste a little weird it might make you feel a little you know but it's it's fine people people clearly people form the realities they want to believe um yeah but it's Move along to uh, another trip report. You uh, want to go, Julius, or do you want to let Kyle do another? Kyle, do you have another one? Uh, I give me a minute. I I need to uh, think of one one of the better ones I've had. So, Julius, why don't All right. you? Oh, well, just let Julius it? go ahead. Yeah, I got one here. Um, I was going through my forum history, and I found the very first trip report that I had ever posted. So. You know, pardon any kind of ideology I spout here and there. You know, I have evolved over the 16 years since this one. Um, I just kind of like to, you know, this is kind of nostalgic for me to go back into. This is the very first time I did DMT. 
All right, trip report, 9-11-2001. I will begin <laughs> by saying that I had long been a fan of Latin music. Miami Sound Machine, Gloria, St- Gloria Stefan Sound Machine, any kind of sound machine, really. I consider myself a mild purveyor into the world of altered states, typically choosing to smoke marijuana or snort cocaine. The occasional dips into LSD were entertaining, and the foray into mushrooms was tense but rewarding. And, but I found that, while on every drug, I could never quite find a substance that made me feel one with the sound machine. Two days prior to 9-11, I received DMT from an anonymous source online. He called himself La Cucaracha and claimed to be some sort of electricity priest. I shrugged. The world is an interesting place, but I felt like I could trust this man. I sprinkled the DMT on a large marijuana cigarette. A bunch of hubbub was going on in the news, and I heard people crying and things on fire, so I decided to turn off the TV and turn up the sound machine. My roommate, Jesper Halitosis, had just come home from his shift at GameStop, and I asked him to spirit guide for me, and he threatened to call the cops. Something told me to get really high really quick. I smoked, inhaled, and for a while, I felt nothing. So I did it again, and I waited for what seemed like forever, 15 minutes. Finally, I smoked the rest of the joint, thinking I'll at least be a little high, and decided to go edit the Gloria Stefan Wikipedia. And then hold up. I felt my body leaving, withdrawing to some small place. Small and irrelevant. I gasped, but no words came out. I felt like I was being sucked up into Dolby surround sound, which might have also been God. I remember I was trying to edit the Wikipedia to say that I was the childhood boyfriend of Gloria Stefan, and halfway through I sucked up into a singularity and immediately shot into the computer and started surfing cyberspace. I remember hearing echoes of people knocking on my door, asking me to look at something, but they felt like an encrypted message from dead civilizations from eons past. I tried to breathe and felt no sensation and no need for oxygen. I saw before me the, the visage of Gloria Estefan made out of stars shining like an ethereal constellation and began to close my eyes and hear Latin drums. Each drum was a truth, a truth far too bold to comprehend, and I saw my surroundings as an infinitely large math problem that I couldn't figure out, like a polynomial or something, or one of the math problems with the letters that I didn't know what they mean. I saw the visage of Gloria racing to stardust and back into a horde, a rampaging army of music notes that took on the green visages of fantasy orcs. Afraid, I felt my soul shrink. I saw his mouth open. We are the machine orcs, he said. I cried. The machine orcs explained to me that all, cre- all of creation is large, really complicated, and a colorful picture, like something you might hang in a dorm room. It consists of different shapes and fractals, and is really cool and complicated, and you feel like it means something. It's something that if you're smoking weed with your friends, you might blow the, uh, you might blow the smoke of the weed onto it and feel really cool. They told me the feeling in me was right, and the machine orcs ate a turkey leg that turned out to be a helix of DNA. They told me I have orc blood, and that I will save mankind, and I believe them. I woke hours later in a puddle under my computer. I had typed that Gloria Estefan had dated an orc in high school on her page, and I was banned from using the computer by my internet provider. Also, 9-11 happened. But it was a new world, and I felt ready to explore the mysticism within it. Within a year, I was homeless, and have been so ever since. Wow. Holy holy shit. That was pretty heavy. A pretty heavy experience that I dealt with. And, you know, it's funny looking back on it now and realizing how much things have changed. But and they really haven't actually. They haven't changed. Now that I think about it. Um I would also like I guess I can round out the podcast here from a trip report I did about a week ago. You guys interested in hearing that? After that first Absolutely. one, we gotta, we gotta hear this one. Troop Report 9517. In Doug's van, we prepared the sacrament. 
Doug, my Maula, had instructed me the last two in the last two years in Sufi mysticism in addition to introducing me to the Rosicrucian order. I was now a ninth level mystic in Amork and was well respected being of inner peace. I was not judged by my peers at Amork for my vagabond lifestyle, but instead was treated as a resource, a type of person that could be called on for specific types of knowledge. While doctors and lawyers were members of, of Amork, they could be called upon to know, they couldn't be called upon to know what it was like to light a trash can on fire. They didn't know what it is like to hungrily cut a bean into quarters for you and your three friends. They don't know what it's like to breathe so heavily on a window during a family Christmas dinner that it fogs up, and then you have to lift up your greasy glove to wipe the window of fog so that you can resume looking at the wonderful <laughs> cooked goose. Such a way of life was not discouraged, and I always had my Malwa, Doug, van to sleep in at night. I ingested tons of DMT, and Doug refused to let me listen to Miami Sound Machine. He said that it was a crutch that I clung to during mystic experiences, a tether that kept me in the mortal realm. He said the machine orcs had a plan for me and had communicated it to him to be free of Gloria Estefan. I grinded my teeth and prepared to understand myself. I emerged into the familiar light mysticism of D&T and saw myself as a shadow on an island ready to die. No music, no coconut trees, just Doug next to me, bearded in rags. We were starving. I began to see him as a large bone in ham, and he began to see me as a large chicken leg. We approached each other hungrily, drooling with comic uh, stylings, and fell through the ether into nothingness. I felt like I floated for millennia. I saw the orcs. They approached me, slowly tapping their maces. I tried to speak to them, and they looked at me and shrugged. No one spoke to me. Until, over a hillside of bleached white light, I saw in jeans of brightest denim. White jeans, boot cut, I saw an orc and smiled. Hours later, I woke up in Doug's van with the little Caesar pizza. You are now the bishop, Doug told me. I know, I said. And, you know, ever since then, I have been a bishop in the church of Doug's van. And to think that the whole time it was simply a test just brings a little tear to my eye. It's incredible. At least that's incredible. You know, well, I guess we're Jesus top was that, homeless. Right? Uh, there's no way anyone's stopping that. No. Well, how about this, fellas? We're uh, doing a little good on time. Why don't we go ahead and say our goodbyes and... Uh, I'll go hit the road out of the studio. You guys can go back to L.A., and I'm going to walk back to Terre Haute. Well, Silicon Valley for Kyle, but... Uh, <clears throat> He's got yeah, that helicopter waiting. Yeah, it's fine. It's it's fine. It's all... We we all... It's You just drive over a bridge from L.A., and then you're in Silicon Valley. It's just like Grand Theft yeah, Auto. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty short. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, I guess that's, you know, that's all we got. Um, this is... Julia St. Arpeo, uh, our good friend Kyle Witchwood, and uh, I'm Josiah Paterno. I'm going to go show the boys here my mashup of 2001 A Space Odyssey and Beetlejuice. I've been working on it for about six months now, and uh, I guess that's it. All right, have a good night, everybody, and be safe.